Hello, and welcome to AARC Perspectives, where we talk with members of the respiratory care community and learn about their experiences caring for patients and building the profession. I am Doug Lair, Chief Operating Officer at the American Association for Respiratory Care, and I will serve as your host for today's episode. Since 1947, the AARC has been leading the effort to advance the respiratory care profession and promote high-quality, cost-effective, patient-centric respiratory care. The respiratory care profession is ever-growing and evolving thanks to dedicated respiratory therapists around the world. Today's guest on AARC Perspectives podcast is Miss Linda Nozart. Linda is the Administrative Director of the Asthma Education Program in NYC Health and Hospitals Woodall. Over the last 12 years, she has led asthma steering committees, interdisciplinary work groups, and allied coalitions as a registered respiratory therapist and certified asthma educator. She has served as the chairperson to the North Brooklyn Asthma Action Alliance for four years that caters to reduce disparities in healthcare by serving medically underserved communities and providing access to quality care. Linda currently oversees the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene Asthma Center of Excellence Asthma Case Management Program, is a public speaker on health program development and the Director of Operations for Nas Health Ed LLC, a healthcare consulting business. Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy my conversation with Linda. Hey, good afternoon, Linda, and welcome to AARC Perspectives Podcast, coming to you live from Studio 2A at 9425 North MacArthur here in Irving, Texas, where the AARC headquarters is. We are excited to have you today. Yes, thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm super excited to be with you as well. Yeah, so and uh, I have to forewarn the audience that that uh, Linda is a fellow podcaster, social media influencer. We're going to get all to that uh, at the end of today's um, podcast for sure. So uh, I, I kind of feel like we're here with uh, podcast royalty, so to speak. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <you're> so generous. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. So no, but but the reality is, um, Linda, you are a very successful RT entrepreneur doing great things within the profession. You are extremely successful uh, working with the asthma community. And that's really why we brought you on today. So just hoping that we could have some good dialogue, chat a little bit about uh, the profession of respiratory care, about asthma, and then we'll finish it up with a little bit of uh, social media and podcasting questions. How does that sound? Okay. We can roll with it. So how long have you been an RT for? I started uh, respiratory in 2008. Official. Okay. Yes. So, so, so you're still a youngin. So right. that's good. Well, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll say that because I don't, I don't feel like that nowadays, but um, I'll take it. I'll take it. Excellent. Well, so before we really kind of get into the heart and soul of, of our conversation today, what was it? I mean, everybody's got their story, right? I had my story. You've got yours. Other people have theirs. What is your story? Why did you get into respiratory? So respiratory, I'll be very honest with you. 
Um, I did not know much about the field until I walked. So basically I started as a pharmacy student and um, I worked at the local mom and pop pharmacy store. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be a pharmacy student. I got accepted, was excited. And then I didn't do the smart thing. I left all my math and science till the very end. And um, I'm really bad at math. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to, after taking pre-calc and calculus like three times each, it became very expensive and I had to pivot. And then I went to like psych, um, psychology, um, no, 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 sociology. And I didn't, I, I knew it's not what I wanted to do. So, but um, I started walking around the health science building. Uh, I went to LI Long Island University, Brooklyn in New York. And I walked past the respiratory department and I saw a, a sign on my now, my mentor. Hi, Ellen Becker. She's listening. I saw a uh, poster on her door and it said what a respiratory therapy uh, was. And it said that they helped folks that had breathing problems like asthma. And I said, oh, wow, I have asthma and I like to help people. So it made sense. So, and that's what made me join. And I, I met her and she, I, you know, we hit it off. So, yep. Well, we already have something in common because Ellen Becker is a mentor of mine as well. She's a mentor to many. So, uh, yeah. yeah, shout out to Ellen. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Girl, <laughs> anytime she's in town, we are together. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So uh, asthma brought you brought you to the profession. But, you know, when, where, why did you develop this interest in specializing in asthma? Asthma is a common reason. I, I've got asthma myself. We've got more in common than we think. And that might lead us to the profession. But oftentimes, you know, once we, we get in, we'll specialize in other areas. So asthma brought you in, but then it really pulled you in. And that's what you chose to specialize in. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yes, yes. So um, a lot of folks that have seen me speak before or where I've done presentations, I always tell my story of the night that changed my life. Um, I would like to start off by saying I've had asthma since the age of eight years old and my parents are Haitian immigrants. So they didn't really know much about the disease. I was the only one that had it and I had nighttime symptoms very bad so they thought i was gonna die in my sleep i had to sleep in between them for like a year at that age uh because i had it really bad and so um for so i knew that that you know asthma was always like in the back of my head i wanted to help folks with asthma because i knew how hard it is for certain people because i went to catholic school and so my parents sometime had to make the decision to pay the tuition over getting the medication. So I know how that is, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, and my, what really drove me to the career of the specialty of asthma is one night I worked at the level one trauma center, well, my first job, I worked night shift and they called me bad luck, Linda in the ER, terrible. <laughs> yeah, I got all the bad traumas. So yeah, so it was a common thing for when they saw me, they knew it was going to be an active night. So I was one of those. But anyway, I had um, one night I was covering pediatric ER 
and I received a five-year-old boy, um, African-American boy, uh, who went into cardiac arrest three times due to status asthmatic. So it was, he was in bad shape by the time he got to me. So um, I'm putting him on the vent and the mom, she, you can tell she's just like, give him his prednisone, give him his prednisone. So she knows, but grandma followed. And um, the story is that grandma was watching him and grandma was in the kitchen cooking and uh, the grandson was in the living room playing and she did not realize he was having an asthma attack until way later. She thought, she, she thought he was playing. And so when she noticed he was having a full-blown asthma attack, she tried to give him the inhaler and it was too late. It was completely blue. So it was one of those situations. And so I'm putting him on the vent and I actually catch eye contact with her and I saw her heart breaking. I felt so bad. And so I, you know, I, I'm wrapping it up. Um, you know, the mom is talking to the doctor. I pass grandma again. I put my hand on her shoulder and I said absolutely nothing because I did not know what to say to her. But I had a strong feeling he was not going to make it throughout the ship. He was agonal breathing. It was just good. And, um, and, he, and he didn't make it. It was the first shift that I cried. And my husband was like, well, Linda, why are you crying? You know, you've seen so much already. You've seen, I've seen children die already at that point. And he, and I, and I told him, you know, strangely enough, it's not for the boy. I said, it's, it's for the grandmother. I know for the rest of her life, she got to live with the fact that her grand died in her care. And I, and I said to myself, I never want that to happen again. Like I, I, it changed my whole entire, that one shift changed my whole entire life and career. I went and I went and I took the exam. I got the exam <laughs> and I was like, I want to use this. And I, I passed it. I got my AEC. I volunteered. I told Ellen, I said, hey, Ellen, I have this. I don't know what to do. And she was like, hey, come volunteer. And that's how my whole, that's how it all started. I started as a volunteer. Then I managed um, the Brenda Pillars Asthma Education Program at LAU Brooklyn. I was the manager at the same time as a graduate student. And um, here I am today. I mean, it's just everything kind of lined up. So, so ladies and gentlemen, I wish you had an opportunity to see Linda on screen. I have the ability to do it. She is so animated. You hear her clapping. She's, <laughs> she's got it all going on right now. Yeah. Um, quick, quick question. You said that you had asthma as a child. Do you recall ever having interactions with a respiratory therapist? Do you have, is there any stories you can share? I see no. you're, you're shaking your head. No, no, I don't remember um, maybe, maybe I haven't. I just, I just don't know. I, I definitely don't. I remember my the doctor asking me, you know, what kind of pets I had in the home and stuff sure. like that. But I, I don't really remember seeing a respiratory therapist at that time. You know, I had talked earlier in the podcast about everybody has their story, and. You have your, you know, I remember it like it was yesterday's story. I do as well. And, and coincidentally, mine also was not with the patient so much as it was with the patient's husband that made that experience so memorable. 
So where were you uh, when you learned about the job as the administrative director of the asthma program at Woodhall? I was volunteering. And that's that's a that's a a tip that I give a lot of folks that don't know where to go, like after acute care, like volunteer. Like if you really want to experience something and you're not sure if you want to do it or not. So um, that's what I started to do. I started volunteering for doing asthma education after my night shift. I mean, I was like half asleep, but very awake. That's how I knew I liked it actually, because I was energized, you know, when I was doing it, even after full blown 12 hour shift, I would go and do asthma education in Brooklyn for, for as a volunteer. And I became uh, the manager as a graduate assistant of, like I mentioned, the Brenda Pillars Asthma Education Program. And we had implemented the Not One More Life program at that time. And the job uh, had came up at the public hospital. Um, they found me. Well, I applied for the job. And I end up matching it to a T. My job was meant for a nurse. And that's another, yeah, that's another, don't let anyone, I always tell people, don't let things like that scare you sometimes because my, I've matched to a T what they were looking for. And they were like, you know what? We can work with a respiratory therapist who already has the certification, who already has community um, health. And I had my master's in public health. So I just matched it. And they were like, oh, my gosh, and you already worked in Brooklyn. So the opportunities lined up for me at that time. So you have already mentioned the certification twice so far. Uh, for those in, in the audience listening, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about the, about what certification you're referring to. Yes, I'm talking about the asthma educator certification exam. And that is, that's a tough one to pass. Yes, it is not an easy exam. We I know personally doctors that do not pass that. I know physicians, nurses, RTs who have not passed. I will admit I did not pass it the first time because I did not study for it. I thought to myself, I was like, I'm a respiratory therapist. I'm good. I don't have to study that. And I, yeah, I had 20 minutes left and 40 questions. I went to use the bathroom (laughs) (laughs) and I literally was like, see, 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 see. (laughs) And I was short, like, I think like 10 questions or whatever. And I went for a prep course. And then I went back immediately, took it, and I passed. And I was very, very happy. So aside, I mean, this sounds like this is your dream job. Asthma running, being the administrative director of an asthma program. You've got got the AC certification. What type of experience and education really kind of pulled this all together for you? I mean, it, it sounds like a no-brainer. You're right. This 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 position was originally set up for a nurse, but you came in, knocked socks off. The certification is just one piece of it. What were the rest of the, the pieces that just brought it all together for you? I want to say also, because like I said, I just wrapped up my master's in public health. So I did go back to school I wanted to understand frequent flyers and I wanted to understand why some communities are sicker than others. I wanted to understand social determinants of health. I wanted to, so there were just a lot of things that while I was in the ER, I just, I just didn't understand what I was seeing as a respiratory therapist. I mean, I I understood the, you know, the hour stuff, but I couldn't understand that stuff. And that, 
and I went back to school for that. And um, that did, that also helped me uh, because I believe that's what they were looking for. They wanted somebody that knew how to work with um, patients that had barriers uh, towards gaining asthma control. You care to give a shout out to grad school? I do. Where where did you go? <laughs> I went to Long Island University. <laughs> I just kept Long back. Island University, and what what's their mascot? Yes, yes, um, blackbirds. Black. Okay. <laughs> so so you get this dream job. You know, you, you step in. You kind of, you know you you always see that. You know, when people walk in, they sit down the first day of the job. They kind of push themselves back from the desk, put their hands down, and you know, kind of soak it all in. So, what were the main duties that you did as administrative director, and and how did you train community health workers to work with asthma patients? That had to have been exciting, difficult, challenging, rewarding, all all rolled into one. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so. Um, yes, it was a lot of budgets, um, preparing the budgets, dealing with work plans. Um, you know, these are new lingos because we're working with grants. Um, grants come with deliverables, work plans, um, milestones and performance improvement projects. So a lot of things to deal with quality of services. Uh, so a lot of my administrative duties is just making sure folks are providers and the hospital is following the national guidelines. So we do not freestyle asthma. <laughs> uh, you know, we have a standard. Evidence-based. <laughs> right? So um, so we follow the national guidelines to a T. And so that's our role, my role in the program's role is just to make sure that patients are being um, manage for asthma it, the, to a T, the same. Uh, so you have your asthma action plan, you're being classified, and based on the classification, you're getting the appropriate medication based on that, and then um, helping with the other, the barriers towards asthma control. So those are some of the stuff I've been doing. So basically, I'm self-driven. So I'm loosely supervised. <laughs> like, I, I just... You know what I'm saying? Sure. You're, Very you're, autonomous, independent. That's great. Yeah, yeah right. I'm, I'm self-driven. So basically you have to have, um, you know, passion to do this type of work um, because no one is going to be telling you what to do. You have to reach your milestones and um, all of this is attached to federal funds. So it's you, you have to be very organized and um, you have to be able to sail the ship you know, uh, in the right direction. So yeah, so the duties, that's what the average day look like. And also I work with nursing. It's a lot of collaborative work. I collaborate with a lot of departments. Um, we're talking from peds, on the peds and adults. Um, I work with respiratory, I have a, we have a kind of a unique setup where I am a respiratory therapist, but I don't work directly under respiratory. I work under the, the chief of medicine. So I'm I'm like, up. So that's how. You're up. Yeah, that's how. I I'm love that. Me. I love that. Uh, You're in the, yeah. sitting in the C-suite, as they say. <laughs> yeah, so asthma, um, in North Brooklyn, asthma has, it has a, we have a high prevalence of asthma. So it's, it was under the, the chief of medicine. So yeah, so yeah. So, but I work, I work alongside respiratory, the respiratory department. I help with their, any trainings that they need. 
Um, we work together in the PFT lab. Um, they give me first dibs with my patients. <laughs> I love that friends. too. That's great. <laughs> friends. You and, got the street cred. I yeah. got street cred. I got good credit. Good credit. <laughs> um, with my with my respiratory folks and and you know so so yeah folks are are good to me and I'm I'm good to them so I, I love it. Um, okay, when it comes to community health worker, that is a very interesting part. So I am a respiratory therapist. <laughs> so here I am now. I have a team with public health educators, community liaisons, and community health workers. Now, first day when I saw my team, I was like, hey, uh, everyone's very nice, introduced myself, and they introduced themselves to me. And I had to go Google, what is a community health worker? (laughs) (laughs) I have to admit that. And I have worked with community health workers before. Um, um, Ellen, um, had a training course back in the day, and I did help her facilitate some of that. But I had when I when when they end up being under me directly, I had to Google their scope of practice because I'm like, okay, these are not clinicians, <laughs> so I'm starting from scratch. Um, community health workers, for those that that do not know, are basically like peers of the community. So it's like a peer to peer model. So they are assets because they get very far with patients because patients can see they they mirror the community. So they they are the eyes of the doctors, of the providers. They are our, you know, eyes. So um I value them a lot. So so I had to break down the material. <laughs> um so like I said I have a baby. So you know how you puree the food for the baby? <laughs> So I had to puree asthma to that point to, to be able to teach it to a community health worker. Community health workers, for those who don't know, they come from all walk of life. So what that means is they may or may not have a degree. They may have a, a, a GED. They may have been a doctor in their country and coming over here. So you, you just you get a mixed bag of experiences. And so those, you know, so I had to, you know, overcome some of that stuff. But um, it's been a great learning experience because I am a mentor at heart, too. So I I, I, I did enjoy um, pouring into them and investing time into them. I have another question for you, and, and I think that you've, you've kind of already touched on this, but about what you love about, about your role. So maybe just speak a little bit to more about what, what the rewards are of that role and the responsibilities that you have, but also what are the biggest challenges? Mm-hmm. Yes, we have some challenges. <laughs> um, challenges. You have to appreciate what you have when you have it. That's what it is. That's one of our big ones. Okay. Elaborate, please. So what that means is, so for example, these type of programs, a lot of the times they are grant funded or funded through another program or subcontract. And so meaning you may have funding one year or for a couple of months, and then you may not the next. So I've, I've had budgets that decrease significantly over a period of a year where, you know, you'll have extra funding for OTPS, which is like, you know, other than personnel, you know, if you want to buy your supplies. Um, And then I, one year I had like 
$5,000. And it was just like, ah, <laughs> what do you want me to do with this? But, um, <laughs> um, but, but I, I, what, what it has taught me is, um, and I've always been that way. I have always been, um, turn your lemons into some yummy lemonade. I'm really good at making nothing look like something. So with sticks and stone, I'm still, you know, I make it happen. I'm like, okay, you know, uh, um, um, the, the only, the only, another bad thing though, when you do that is people start to see your talents and they're like, can you turn this water into wine? <laughs> I'm like, no, I cannot. And, uh, and sometimes they won't give you the water. <laughs> so the, that, that is a, one of our biggest challenge is, um, uh, we are a small program, but we do big things. So I constantly, you know, have to remind the higher ups like, Hey, you know, don't, don't forget about us because we are important to the community. And we, you know, I always show them our stats. Like, listen, we are keeping these, these kids and these patients out of the emergency room in the inpatient units, which is saving, you know, money and, and creates revenue because we also connect them back to the asthma clinic. So we're, we're the asthma clinic pretty much. So one of the challenges you talked about was lack of funding. Part of the reason that there's a lack of funding is because there's there's a dearth of evidence uh, out there, lack of evidence um, that talks about how valuable these programs are and what kind of outcomes that they can produce. Uh, are you collecting the data of all the great things that you're doing? I, I'm telling you, we I, I, we should look to you to publish uh, and and be be a pioneer out there and tell people all the great work that you're doing. Yes, it's definitely on my to-do. I wish, I know Ellen, I hope Ellen doesn't kill me. Uh, research has never been my, it's never been my, my thing, but um, I have been a part of, you know, I, when, you, when you're in this work, you represent, I represent the asthma program to the Department of Health, both state, both regional and to the states. I am the, I am the face. So a lot of our data has, does go out to the Department of Health, actually, so for our area. So, um, yeah, it is on my to-do list to have some, some research uh, soon, but that's why we always get the funding though. We, 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 we're one of those programs that um, we're fortunate where we still get grants and sometimes we don't write for the grant based off the reputation that we have, we get funding back. So, and um, I'm, I'm grateful for that. So I'm very, I try to make sure to stay um, vocal um, and advocate for our patients and the, the communities that we, that we serve. So, and my, Top reward, I, did I say that? My, right. My top reward is um, actually seeing results. Like I said, I have physically myself been to some of these patients' homes prior to COVID. We were physically in the home. Um, and I, as a respiratory therapist and an asthma educator, um, had had to coach some patients, the parents, um, to just help them get to a place where um, their child can can be controlled, and it really starts in the mind. And some some parents are just overwhelmed. And um, with us helping them, we really do see results. Like we really do see kids stay out of the emergency room. And you know, sometimes we don't say the name. We're like, hey, we haven't seen for a while, <laughs> and it's like, don't say their name because we don't. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's, um, 
working with them and and um that is a top reward when i really see the results personally myself because we're so invested so we really try to help as much as possible um each it's not a one size fit all it's, it's almost to, to the each patient so it's very rewarding and you have to think outside the box i constantly have to think covid i had to come up with the asthma friendly care package <laughs> like like i had to figure out a way. Okay, we can't physically go to the home anymore. How are we going to do this? So I have to come up with a care package and a, a, a system, telehealth system of how we we're going to do that. And we have been very, the Department of Health actually said we were one of the best um, in Brooklyn to implement something like that, where, um, yeah, our numbers were really good and very happy with us. I'm glad to hear that uh publishing is in your bucket list. We need more information out there. And I tell you, Dr. Becker, she helped mentor me and, and some other people in my very first uh, publication in respiratory care. And I know she can do the same for you. I would like um, for a moment to, to go off script a, a little bit. You you had said earlier that that you are, your position is up there. You report to the chief medical officer. You're in the C-suite. You had also mentioned earlier in the podcast that your parents are Haitian immigrants. What does it mean to you to be a minor, minority female working in a field that's primarily um, driven by, by white men? Hmm, that's a good question. I'm, I always speak from my gut <laughs> because I am passionate about what I do. And that's what I let drive me. I sometimes do have to fight the voices that when I'm, because a lot of times I am in the meeting where I am either the youngest, the brownest, and maybe the only female in the group. This, this, this happens to me a lot, but... I know when I'm invited to the meetings or if I'm hosting a meeting that I am being heard um, when it, in regards to asthma. So they do value me um, in that aspect. So, and that's because once again, I come from passion. So I'm just a, I'm a respiratory therapist, just like they are, or I'm a part of the team. And as long as I'm allowed to speak, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I try not to think of it as as that. I just really do speak like, okay, well, I'm I'm a respiratory therapist. I am the the, the director of the asthma program, and I know what I see. So, in that aspect, like I said, as long as I'm being heard, I'm I'm fine. I, I'm glad that you said that. You are a role model, whether you you view yourself as one or not. And I would just ask if there was somebody like you out there listening, maybe 10 years younger, who needed a little push in the right direction or some some advice on how to overcome the disparities that they're certainly going to face in their career, what, what, would, you, what would you say to them? I would say to be willing to do things even when you're afraid. It has gotten me far. So, example, I was not, I, when I picked this role, I did not know, I did not know it came with public speaking and I did not want to do it. <laughs> I was the chair um, to the North Brooklyn Asthma Action Alliance and I needed to public speak and I um, was resistant at first and I just 
started to do things while I was afraid. And what that does is it starts to build confidence. And you're like, hey, I didn't die. <laughs> you're not. I'm, I'm okay. And, you know, and this really did help me. So my advice to folk is, is do do things while you're afraid. It, it's 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 fine. Um, you'll be fine. And and yeah, I love that. Yeah. So speaking of public speaking, I believe there's an engagement that you may have been invited to speak at this coming November. Uh, would you care? Would you care to announce that to our listeners? Yes, I just well, I found out not too long ago. I'm going to be. I my. My presentation got accepted to speak at the AARC Congress in New Orleans. Congratulations. <laughs> I missed the email. I'm great. I'm crazy. My life is everywhere. But I actually missed the email. I got all the rejection ones. I think I applied like four times. And uh, I got all the rejection ones. And I was like, okay, I didn't get it. And then I missed the one where they said, Okay, congratulations, you've been accepted until I came back from vacation. I was like, oh, wow. So I'm excited. So, yeah. Congratulations. Uh, very, very well deserved. Yeah, Doug, you going to be there? I, I will be there and I will be your cheerleader sitting in the front row for sure. So we have a few minutes left of the podcast, and I'd, I'd like to talk about your entrepreneurial spirit. So normally at this time of the podcast, I would say, hey, Linda, in, in the event that our listeners would like to get in touch with you, ask you some questions about running an asthma clinic, uh, would you care to share your email? And uh, offline, before we went live with the podcast, I found out that, holy cow, are you successful in the digital space, social media? You've got your own podcast. You've got your own YouTube channel, all to promote growth within the, the professional RT community. Right. So so let's just talk about each of these just really, really quick. So your podcast, what is the name of your podcast and what do you talk about? Yes, 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 yes. So the podcast name is RT's Share Tea. So pretty much it's a lighthearted podcast where respiratory therapists just share what's going on where we talk about career development, career advancement, um, anything real life as a respiratory therapist. And it's really just right now myself um, speaking on those topics as a, you know, even as a, um, a, a manager or leader. And, um, and I also have guest co-hosts that do other entrepreneurial things as a respiratory therapist. So it's very lighthearted. Like, I don't want anyone to think like, I'm not like Barbara Walters or her. Like, <laughs> I'm really just, uh, uh, you know, like my head, my head set might fall off and I wouldn't edit it. Like, you know, it's just, I just let it, you get the raw. Get what and, you and, is, is what you get. and I presume the podcast is all on all the usual. Yeah. So I'm on Google, I'm on Google podcast, Stitcher, and I believe, yeah, all, all of them. I, I, you know, be honest with you, I don't really know all of them, but um, I'm on Anchor. And so, yes, and, and okay. I'm on YouTube now, too. So, yeah. Oh, so speaking of YouTube, uh, the, the Asthma Lady yes. channel. Yes. So tell us a little bit about what you do on, on that platform. Yes. So, the, so on YouTube, I'm, on, I'm the Asthma Lady, T-H-E-E, Asthma Lady. And it's basically the podcast on camera. 
And I also show other things like, you know, other tips like on motivational interviewing where you can use that um, tips for patients or how to guide patients when it comes to dealing with uh, asthma triggers for the month of Asthma Awareness Month, I went through, you know, almost all of the home environmental triggers in the in the home. And so that was, you know, pretty, pretty fun. So I'm on YouTube every Thursday, um, God willing. <laughs> and I'm on Google Podcast every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Fantastic. You're on IG. Yes, I'm also on IG. You can find me at the T-H-E-E Asthma Lady R-T on IG. So I would, uh, you have a strong presence on LinkedIn. And uh, for for perhaps uh, our listeners who are not as adept at social media as you are, if they just prefer email, what would be the best way for them to reach out and ask questions? Sure, you can go to RT, share T at gmail.com. That is RT. Share T T E A at gmail.com. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Linda, it has been an absolute pleasure. Congratulations on your success. Everything that you do, continue to do the good work taking care of the patients that you serve. I I, I for one will be uh, following you on all these uh, on all these channels. I'm excited. And uh, again, congratulations on your speaking engagement. It's it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank thank you so much. November, New Orleans. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening today. Um, again, uh, my thanks go out to Linda and all of you for being here. And remember, when you can't breathe, nothing else matters. Have a great day, everyone. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to AARC Perspectives. Be sure to check out our show notes page for information about today's episode, as well as links to our other podcast episodes. Be sure to know when our next episode airs by subscribing to our podcast. Until next time, my friends, keep on supporting the respiratory therapy profession.